Good morning, and thank you for inviting me to talk to you this morning. I'm not really a preacher, just like many of you, another disciple of Jesus. And I'm really excited to know him as my friend and saviour, as I hope you are. He's also been my teacher, redeemer, and God. And I can stand here. I was meant to be dead two years ago, so it's quite nice to stand here now. Although, funnily enough, when I was told that I wasn't going to die after all, they made a misdiagnosis. It was something I hadn't heard of, seen, or come across. My son looked at me, my eldest son, and I said to him, yeah, it's amazing. It's not what they said it was. They thought it was going to be, I had secondary cancers all over my body. And he said, oh, isn't that wonderful, Dad? But you must be a bit sad you're not going to see Jesus now. And do you know something interesting? When you're told you're going to die, um, I was told I wouldn't see the next Christmas, possibly not summer. And um, first of all, I felt um, sad uh, because I thought, oh, life's rather fun. The second thing was, I've not done enough for God. I'm really sorry, Lord. I've not done enough for you. And then the next thing was, I was sad because my daughter and my son's wife were going to have babies. I thought, I won't be a grandfather. I never had a grandfather. In fact, um, my own personal family life from as a child was quite um, messy, which is why I think God's given me the privilege of running a family attraction that's just full of fun and love. And um, the other one was that I've got a wife who's been fantastic, fantastic uh, helper, soulmate, um, and also she's kept us financially stable, which is amazing. And um, I thought, oh, that's a shame. We just before COVID came, we just had enough savings, and I thought, oh, we're going to take her on a trip. We're going to do a trip together. <laughs> so we missed that. And there's a family issue to clear up as well. So it's quite interesting. Um, to be standing here now and be able to say, actually, um, we sang that song to him, No Fear of Death. I can truly say I've got no fear of death. Death, where's your sting? Thank you, Jesus. Because the... <laughs> but I th I'm not really a, a preacher, but I thought I could share some testimony tales. But just to fill you in firstly, for those of you who are in business, this might be helpful or you've done it already. For those of you not in business, especially if you're students, you're looking at, how am I going to use my life? Um, in the NIV Bible, I remember I saw a chap called Angus Buckens speak um, at Exeter University the year after foot and mouth. And he stood up and he said, this is my agriculture. I can't do a South African accent. Anyone South African here? Um, this is my agricultural notebook. Well, this is actually the whole book of life. And it really is. And in here, there's lots of useful notes, and I've got a study one, so it's a bit battered up and so on, but never mind. Um, and in there, it's got six points of how to have a useful life, uh, whether you're in business, whether you're a mother, um, whatever you're doing, student. And the first one is that we recognize that people must be always more important than products. Keep away from pride, this is the second one, in our own plans and successes. And remember that God's will and word must never be compromised. And the other one is that people must always be considered above the making of money and do what is right no matter what the cost. And be involved in a business that provides worthwhile products or services, not just things that feed the world's desires. 
Anyway, we've taken on these points as great ways to run Pennywell. And the mission statement that we have after, because your mission statement needs to be quite simple and, and easy to remember, um, and this which our team are inducted in uh, when they join us. They have a very intensive induction for about two hours with the operations manager. And they were reminded that the mission statement is to build relationships, make memories, and enrich lives. And although we're not commercially farming now, we still metaphorically farm by sowing seeds of joy. And if you sow generously, you'll, read it, you'll get a better crop. And hopefully we get a harvest of happy memories that do last a lifetime. The first one I would like to share with you is one of a young girl who turned up. Um, every Thursday morning, we hold a prayer, praise and teaching um, session. If you like having a Christian TED talk, it's open to anyone. It's free. We serve croissant, croissant chocolat, no ice cream, I'm afraid. But we do do copious cups of coffee and tea and hot chocolate for those who like chocolate. And um, we have praise and worship like you do here. It's wonderful worship. Thank you, the band, marvellous, and uh, the lead singer. But also, um, we always have a different speaker every week. And we get anything from uh, bishops to doctors to mothers uh, to a retired engineer, anyone who loves the Lord Jesus. And it's amazing. God's army may be small. You may look around and go, oh, there's not many Christians around. But I can promise you, there's a lot of powerful Christians around. And you, just sitting in here, are amongst them. Amen. Amen. But uh, anyway, this young maid turned out, sorry, girl. I, <laughs> it's a Devon expression. Um, <laughs> And when you get to, when you get to six, I, I drew my pension this year, so you get to a stage, you think, oh, everyone looks so young now. Um, but anyway, she rocked up, and um, she had a baby in her arms, and um, a young man beside her, and she said, do you remember me? And I looked at her, and I said, um, no, I'm quite good at faces. I said, I'm, I'm trying to. And then as soon as she said it, she said, do you remember I used to come with my daddy every year, and my mummy, and my sister, um, until I was 11? I said, I always wonder what happened to you. Because her father used to like to talk about Jesus on the farm. And she said, well, I've come back with my husband. I said, that's lovely. He did look quite a nice chap too, so that's all right. And uh, her baby. And she said, do you still have that psalm at the top of your uh, tower? And I said, oh, you mean Psalm 121? I lift mine eyes up to the hills, from whence cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And so it goes on, finishing off with saying, the Lord will watch over you. You're coming and going now and forevermore. I said, yes, it's still there. And she said, every time we came on holiday, we'd always come to Pennywell. So to 11 years old, she always came to Pennywell. We'd always go to the top of the tower and read this psalm and look out across the uh, wonderful creation that God's made. And... It's my daddy's favorite psalm. And when he died, she said he chose that, sorry, at his funeral to be read out. And she had come back with her husband to see if we still had it and that we were still proclaiming Jesus. I think that's fantastic. Now, this same girl came to our Thursday breakfast, not just once, but twice. And it was such an honor such a blessing to us knowing that 
there's another sister, and her husband's also a believer, being fed, encouraged, watered, growing. And that's a huge responsibility. So for those of you who are adults, uh, never negate what you do. And I'll share a non-farm thing, if it's not even my notes, actually, forget the notes. Um, another a non-farm thing, each of my children are now married. Whew. And the last one got married to a girl, which is really such wonderful news. And I really uh, am pleased he found somebody, because he, he tried several, didn't work. <laughs> and um, anyway, she's a lovely Christian. But what's interesting, for you parents who have children who maybe not yet married or met at their partner or the love of their life or soulmate, don't despair if they're not Christians yet. Because interestingly enough, this son became a Christian. He heard the word of God at 17, 18. We always went to church as a family, but uh, we went to different churches, went to Anglican churches, went to Catholic churches. We came to another, there was a church up here somewhere in the hinterland. And um, anyway, we had a, a minister called Harry Gillick who had the most amazing gift of evangelizing. And his great gift was he'd um, go take people for breakfast. But he was our minister in residence at Pennywell for five years. No, sorry, four years. In that four years, we had seven baptisms. And that's because he had the free reign to wander around the farm, talk to anybody, customers or staff. I really wanted him for a lot of our team. We employ 70 people this year, or 74 actually. Um, but a lot of them are youngsters just doing weekend jobs, holiday jobs. And most of them have no idea about Jesus, no idea about uh, God. In fact, they don't, uh, coffee breaks, they're not even interested in chatting about the metaphysical. Um, but that's a, another story. Anyway, this young man, Sebastian, he got baptized. Um, and this isn't really a Pennymore story, but it's a story of how God works. He got baptized on the beach at Mothercombe. Does anyone know Mothercombe Beach? No, okay, it's a flat beach, very flat. And uh, Ty came in. The only night they could do was a Wednesday night. The only time they could do was a certain time on Wednesday night, on a certain date. And when we got down to the beach, the beach had totally changed. It was a bit like this. Instead of being a flat beach and the sea coming in and going out, there was one massive, it was almost like one massive baptismal pool. Um, the sea was coming into that. It was one massive baptismal pool. And um, Harry, who's not really a swimmer, he said, look, Chris, Chris and Nikki, would you like to take your son and baptize him? And I, I'll say the prayers over it. I said, okay, that's fine. But what's so fantastic, this pool is like a horseshoe, and we were able to fit nearly 55 people around it, all standing comfortably. And I thought, and instantly I thought, Lord, thank you. And it's so easy to forget the way God works in the minutest of things. Uh, if he cares about the sparrows, I can assure you he cares the, about the hair on your heads, which is great for me because I've got a lot for him to care about. Um, but I think never underestimate how God works. Another one was um, that we, well, I, no, I just, um, to another story how God looks after you when you don't even have any control on it. We were having a family day out. So Ben, our son-in-law, works in the business. And he was trying to ring us up. Unusually, I'd left my phone behind. 
and um, so he couldn't get hold of me. And uh, we're taking our other, we're going with our other son and uh, daughter-in-law and grandchildren. We're going down to the beach for a bit of surfing. And he was getting desperate. Now there's no signal at Bigbury Beach, so once you're there, that's it. So we're out of signal too. But fortunately, um, Angus's car wouldn't work properly, and so he couldn't get down there. Uh, and the phone rang to get back to the farm immediately. There's a, a crisis. It was at nine o'clock in the morning. And the first customer to come in just said, could I speak to the owner or the manager, please? And Ben thought, oh, no. At nine o'clock, a problem? No. A complaint at nine o'clock? Oh, no. And the chap said, look, I've come here. And um, I just want to point out to you, your electrical pole down there is live. The, um, because we had some strong winds, um, the wires had come off the insulators. It's three phase, so two of the wires had come off. They were arcing. Uh, for those of you, and um, so for those of you who don't know, it's like the sparks flying everywhere. The whole of the metal piece at the top was red hot. The pole had set fire, and had anyone gone near there, they'd have actually, you know, you'd, you could be as close as it is, a thousand, watt, uh, thousand volts. So just getting close to it, you'd have been dead or knocked out. And what's more, the wires were still up there, but had they come down, that would then, the whole of the ground, the car park, would be live, and guests and visitors were coming in. This guy came in and said, don't worry. I'm the, he was, a, he was a guest, actually. He said, I've rung up Sweb, and they've switched off the, they're switching off the line. If you could ring the fire brigade. And you know what was amazing? This guy happened to be the head of Sweb for um, the Southwest. <laughs> <laughs> and so God sort of moves in so many different ways, but it gets better than that. Because the next thing was, we were very busy that day, and it was in the COVID times. So we were doing two sessions a day. So we'd have 600 people in the morning, 600 people in the afternoon, nine till one for the first group, two till six for the second group. And um, we had to turn off all the electricity, so the tills were out, the, there was no ca uh, cafe working, uh, water had to be done uh, with staff pouring out water to wash hands by um, bucket. And um, we gave all the customers a, a complimentary to return as they left that morning. And a lot of them said, oh, we don't need it, we've had a great time. No, it's been fantastic, it'd be fascinating as well, um, seeing the fire engine and all the blue lights people. <laughs> and um, anyway, it came to the afternoon session, and it hadn't. And um, this chap, he's called. He was called John Smith. And do you know we've tried to look up a John Smith? <laughs> we can't find him. And I'm just, I'm just standing here thinking maybe God sent an angel who just said his name was John Smith. But anyway, this chap, John Smith, had actually arranged uh, for the electricity uh, repair people to come that morning and fix it. And um, Ben Angus were. Uh, concerned they won't be ready to, in the afternoon, and they prayed. You know, to have two young men in their 20s standing in the middle of the farmyard praying, calling out to God in their plight. And um, then two other members of staff who I didn't know whether, whether they're Christians or not, but they joined in. One was um, an assistant marketing manager, the other was the shop manager. And they were going to hold hands, and, and then, so Angus and Ben said, come on, we we're going to need to hold hands and pray fervently. And um, they thought, oh, we can't, COVID. So they did elbows. And, um, and they thumped their chests as they prayed instead. And at 10 to 2, the electricity came on. And the car park was filling up. Now, 
You could just say, coincidences, whatever. But we see God working in so many ways, uh, in surprising ways and in practical ways. And the other one was um, the weather. Now, the weather can be uh, a blessing and a curse. Elijah stopped the rain for three years. Well, God did. He asked God to stop it. And then he called again and he started it again. Well, each Christmas we used to take a donkey to Torquay to uh, head up the um, nativity scene from churches together in Torbay for their carnival at Christmas. The rain was coming down in torrents. It was like a monsoon. And it bouncing off the ground. And we we'd just got the donkey in and I was standing by the trailer and Ed, a dear brother in Christ, my prayer partner, unfortunately now with the Lord. Well, unfortunately for me, he's now with the Lord because I miss him. Um, but he was standing there and he had an Australian hat with, <laughs> I don't know why he had a silly hat, an Australian hat with corks hanging off it. I did tell him we're a Devon farm, but never mind. He was volunteering that day because we needed extra staff. And then our marketing manager was there as well. And some of the staff were gathered around as well in the rain. And, I say, and they were just saying, should we go? Uh, you know, the donkey, uh, donkeys, by the way, and goats hate wet weather. They really don't like wet weather. Should we go or not? I said, no, we've got to go. We've promised. We, we will be there. We're going. And they said, yeah, but look at this weather. I said, oh, whoa, 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 don't do it. Let's pray about it. So I prayed in front of them all. And I think some of the staff, are not, I know they're not Christians. They must have, oh, boss is bonkers. Um, anyway, off they went to Torbay. I had to stay behind to feed the animals that hour. It was a, a late afternoon. Um, because it's something you have to do beyond duty for the livestock. They got there. About an hour and a quarter later, I had a phone call from Valerie, our marketing manager. And this little voice said, you won't believe this. Just as I, we dropped the back of the trailer for the donkey to come out, the rain stopped. I said, well, amen, amen. Anyway, they did the parade. That all went really well. And... Um, and they got the donkey back in, and she rang up just before they left. She said, you won't believe this. <laughs> it's like a monsoon here in Torquay. <laughs> and um, I just see that as a wonderful way. To, you know, God moves things. Um, he does it. He's in power of everything. Another occasion with school children, we had a, we had a bit like you're going to have a church day out. You better pray about this one, guys, what the weather's going to be like, because I can never guarantee it. <laughs> We had, a, we had a school day out. It was St. Joseph's School in Plymouth. Sister Josephine was the uh, headmistress. And she rang up, and uh, we had a brilliant day with them one year. And they said, I'm coming back, Christopher. I'm going to book up again. So they booked again. And it was absolutely heaving with rain. And I thought, oh. And at the time, I had a, a different operations manager, Sarah, who was um, a good, solid atheist. I thought, very healthy. Uh, well, atheists, there's always a potential then, isn't it? Because they, if they, they believe in something, I, there's no God. It's when those are an agnostic who believe in nothing, there's a problem. And um, uh, I, I said, uh, Sarah, we're going to pray. I said, well, you do it, I'm not. I said, okay, fair enough, I'm going to pray. And I prayed, and as the co- it was for 250 children, so a whole stream of coaches came into the car park. And literally, as they're driving in and going up to park, the rain stopped. <laughs> Wonderful. At 2.15, when they started to leave again, you know what happened? <laughs> what do you think happened? Yes, there was a torrent of rain again. But it doesn't always work like that. 
don't think God's going to do exactly what you want, because as a business, we always try and seek his will. And on another occasion, it was St. Joseph's again, doing the whole school. They had such a good time, they thought, we must come back again. Heaving with rain, and I prayed, and then at about 10 to 9, there's a phone call. And um, it was Sister Josephine, the headmistress, saying, oh, I, I can't do an Irish accent either. But she said, I'm really, really sorry. We've got to cancel. There's so many children who are sick. They've got something going around the school. And I said, oh, that's a shame. Um, I thought, this is interesting. Um, she said, but I'm going to book again, because I just thought all that money I was losing. No, no, I wasn't, Lord. I wasn't. It wasn't money, because people come first. But um, anyway, I thought, that's a shame. And uh, she said, no, no, I'm booking again. I said, oh, that's wonderful. And I said to her, you won't believe this, um, Sister Josephine. Um, I just prayed that uh, God would sort this out and that the rain would stop. But he's done it somewhere, somewhere different. He just stopped you lot coming, so we're not going to have the problem. But we didn't lose a booking. So it was a win-win both ways. And that's the nice thing about God. If you trusted him in all things, you're asked to trust in all things. And that could be quite difficult. But we have a business meeting once a week. And is the guitarist starting yet? <laughs> Sorry. Don't worry. Let me know when, the good, when I hear that sweet, sweet sound of Jesus. I will stop. Um, and on another, on another occasion, we have a business meeting once a week. And this is the serious part of it, because there's a lot of serious stuff, of course, to run a business like that that's far too complicated for me to run anyway. But um, what was amazing... Because of my illness, uh, we'd written a letter, oh gosh, when the children, well, two of the children were still at school, one was at university, saying, are you interested in this business? If you are, we'll keep it going. If you're not, then we'll be looking for doing something else. Because, um, and that's why I love pastors and ministers and so on, because it's a real big deal, or anyone who's in business, running something, headmistresses, headmasters. It is a big thing running. It's exhausting. And I'm sure my, well, I'm pretty sure my illness was from lots of underlying stress. But they all said, much to our slight chagrin, yes, they'd like to come back. Because we decided already we would never sell Pennywell as a commercial concern. Because our concern would be it'd be asset stripped, it'd be changed in its tenor. As far as we're concerned, it's God's ground. It's where a light's held, a beacon of light. And also it's for his purposes. And I just knew that if we sold it on a commercial basis, that'd be hopeless. The trouble is the kids didn't come back for a long time. But because I was ill, it forced the issue. So one son came back from New Zealand. Son-in-law came down from London. The other son was still trying to get, um, get himself educated. But the great thing about that is we've got a really strong management team. Uh, we've got the three boys, my eldest son, Angus, younger son, Sebastian, Ben, our son-in-law, my wonderful wife, Nikki, and myself, and we meet once a week, and it could be last for a short time or a long time. But we have five criteria. I told you the criteria of running, of looking at how you're going to use your life. But we have five business criteria, which for any of you here in business might help you. Uh, one is, before we make any decision, is it good for customers? If it's not, we're not serving them properly. Is it good for the staff or the team? If it's not, we're not honouring God in being good stewards of those he sends to work with us. Is it sustainable? If it's not, it'll be a millstone around our necks. Is it profitable? Where well, it's not profitable, it's not sustainable, and it won't be good for staff either. 
because you won't have the money to pay them. And the last thing we put in it, does it honour God? And that's the clinch. If it doesn't honour God, if it doesn't elevate God in some way or honour him and give the glory to him, we don't do it. And an example of that was at the Nativity Plays in 2001, when, I've gone totally off piece, so I put that down like that. Um, <laughs> in the Nativity Plays of 2001, we had to make a decision in August, do we open up for Nativity Plays? It cost us lots of thousands of pounds uh, to do, or do we say, no, uh, we won't? Well, we prayed about it in August. It means we have to buy and invest a lot of money up front. And all the other attractions, everyone was saying, no, they're not doing anything at Christmas. No, not doing anything at Christmas. You know, unlikely to open, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we decided we'll go for it. Do you know, we had the best uh, nativity play season ever. And God honored that. And what's amazing, that year and now and since then, uh, between 10 and 12,000 people come and uh, hear the gospel story about how God sent a saviour to us. And there's just one last bit I'd like to do as a prayer at the end then, because I can just hear the music starting, and I'm worried the drums might come soon. <laughs> um, but firstly, I really look forward to welcoming you to the farm and see for yourselves. I'm very happy to share other stories with you there and also uh, be on hand to chat with you. Um, but I just want to just there was a prayer that God gave me this morning Lord Jesus may we always seek your will your ways trust and obey knowing you will never leave us never desert us and never give us more than we can bear Amen just want to take a few moments just to honour you, Chris, as a man of faith. You're a family man and a businessman, but more importantly, you've fused the business skills that God's given you uh, with God himself. And I find that really impressive and it's worth, it's worthy of our praise, you know, because you know Jesus and you live Jesus and you serve Jesus and that really is good. Have you enjoyed just hearing just those kind of trips that comes out? It really is amazing, isn't it? Can I just be really honest? We are noticing in this season that we're living in that there is a dissatisfaction with all that the world has to offer of people living for themselves and making their own decisions without Jesus. And it's quite common now for people to be looking for something more. And that something more simply is this. It is Jesus. And the message of the great news of Jesus is that he loves you first and foremost. Above everything, he is a God of love and he loves you. And he understands there's something in our life that crops up that causes us to be a separation. You know, and that might be some of the words we use or our heart or some of the stuff that we do by which we find ourselves outside of the love of God, struggling to find out who we're called to be. But Jesus... 
And the message of Jesus is this. He didn't leave us estranged from that relationship with God. He came and he died for us. He died on the cross for our sins, for our offenses, for that gap. And the Bible says the sins of us were placed on Jesus. There is nothing that you have done. There is nothing so bad or are doing that he hasn't taken already. And he doesn't give you rejection. He gives you love. He gives you acceptance. He gives you forgiveness. And he wants to right now restore if we're in a broken place with him. And he wants to bring us into the place that Chris talks about. Let me tell you, it's genuine. Let me tell you, it wasn't just a fad as a young man that he had and a good idea. It's a life. Even in facing death, he is alive. Because that's what Jesus does. So can I invite us just to take a moment, just to close our eyes and just bow our heads. And maybe I want to ask a question. Is there anybody here this morning who just feels that they've come in and they're just that distance from God, either through sin or they've wandered off and you've just started to encounter that incredible love of Jesus. And Jesus is saying to you, hey, did you want to come back into a relationship with me? And all you need to do if you have that in your heart is say, yes, Jesus, I do. I acknowledge you as my Lord and my Saviour. I know you love me. The hardest prayer to pray is, would you forgive me? Because I know I'm distant. Would you fill me with your goodness and your love? So that I might know you. I ask you to transform my heart and my life so that I might be a follower of Jesus Christ.